0: The path to immortality is hard, and only a few find it. The rest await the great day when the wheels of the universe shall be stopped and the immortal spark shall escape from the sheaths of substance. Woe to those who wait, for they must return again and again, unconscious and unknowing, to the seed ground of stars and await a new beginning those who are saved by the light of the mystery which I have revealed unto you, O Hermes, and which I now bid you to establish among men, shall return again to the Father who dwelleth in the white light, and shall deliver themselves up to the light, and shall be absorbed into the light. And in that light they shall become powers in God. This is the way of the good, and is revealed only to them that have wisdom. All hail thee, Thoth Hermes, thrice greatest! All hail thee, Prince of Men! All hail thee who stand upon the head of Typhon. Hello and good morning. I'm Douglas Bowles and you're listening to 42 Minutes, a production of SyncBook Radio and thesyncbook.com. A weekly conversation with the interesting artists and thinkers of our day. You can find us online at 42minutes.com and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. The show is supported by the SyncBook Trust, and listeners like you consider helping to make independent productions like SyncBook Radio possible by becoming a part of the SyncBook Trust. Today is the 13th day of January, and this is the second installment of the 42 Minutes Man Show. Again, we take our focus from Manley P. Hall's Secret Teachings of All Ages, a masterly encyclopedia of ancient mythology, ritual symbolism, and the arcane mysteries. It's like no other book of the 20th century, today we are looking at the Thoth chapter and considering what we lost in the flood as well as the fire. And our guide today is none other than William Morgan himself. Mr. Morgan is likely responsible for the popularization of the term Sinkhead, and this common usage occurred as the co-host of the 42 Minutes podcast. But he goes way back and is an OG synchromistic from the early days. Will was a part of SYNC 1.0, as I like to say, with his A Few Shots to Shaman blog. And later he took the next step of collaborative SYNC by being one of the founding members of The SYNC Hole, which I affectionately call SYNC 2.0. He also published an essay in 2011's SYNC book, which if you haven't read yet, must be atop this year's to-do list. And if that was SYNC 3.0, Then I should also mention that his work at SyncBook Radio and thesyncbook.com is taking the idea of Sync to the next level, as well as bringing these concepts to a mainstream audience in the guise of Sync 4.0. It's a strange dance that he and I do each week with our obvious differences, but I guess that's what makes life interesting, huh? All right, what are you doing today, Will? How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Excellent. Douglas? So. How about you, show? How am I doing? I don't know. This is a—it's an interesting year already, um, and I guess we'll get into that. Why the Thoth chapter? What is it about this that called to you?
1: Well, first off, Manly P. Hall has a lot to do with how I understand, think, right? I mean, it's like one of the main zanes for me. And this particular book, *The Secret Teachings of All Ages*, was something that I had run across quite a few times and was always curious about, but knew nothing about it. It was just like something that I, I would find in an old used bookstore, or then I would see it somewhere else. And then I would notice that it also had like a bigger version. You know what I mean? And then for Christmas in 2001, my mom actually got me the big like coffee table version of the secret teachings of all ages. And so of course, I mean, uh 2001 is a big year and this was December so this would have been a few months after Twin Towers but i mean for me 2001 was like uh i mean first off my first child was conceived in September 13 uh 2001 she's a she's a she's a 9/11 baby right you get me i mean that was like a huge change in my life
0: so these, these things are all happening at the same
1: time, this initiation. So you've got... The Twin Towers, like there was a change. My house burned down in 2001. But also that year was the year that I discovered, like, the year that I discovered the dark side of the rainbow. It was also the year that, like like I said, my house burned down. I, 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 just all kinds of stuff happened all at once. And at the very end of it, that Christmas, I got the Manly P. Hall, The Secret Teachings of All Ages. Just You get what I'm saying? And it was something that I put away and didn't think that any, they had anything to do with each other. I mean, I had read a few chapters here and a few chapters there, but it wasn't until, like, uh, Steve Wilner said that I needed to do more research <laughs> that I, uh, I dipped and read the whole thing all at once, which was around, like, 2008. And it was what I read before I did any post or put anything up. And it was funny because that particular chapter, the Hermes chapter, when I opened this book up, after I finished it, I've only visited it like a few more times since 2008, only for like references to check stuff, you know. But on the Hermes chapter, it was this little piece of uh, printed paper was like the first attempt at having a sink thread, right? And this particular, like the synchro mystic genre, I guess you could call it. And there's this little piece of paper that I printed out that has a picture of a Dionysus statue, has a a picture of Jim Carrey, (laughs) has a picture of Osiris, and it has a picture of this, like, uh, the movie The Strange Days. Like, uh, you get what I'm saying? The movie poster for that that one. I think they. I mean, it has the year 2000 on it, right? It's like the nineteen, the New Year's Eve, 1999, anything is possible, nothing is forbidden, right? So uh, it links with 2001 off that, but this is like everything that was really big, like the one that clicked in my head with the whole Jim Carrey, Osiris, Hermes thing. And it was this particular chapter that put it together because the picture, I mean, first off, Douglas, this is the first time you've read this book, isn't it? yeah. I mean,
0: it's funny because you can see how it informed so much of this early movement. I mean, this is the source that a lot of people were coming out of.
1: Oh, for sure. And then there's like a whole other dimension, too, because the lecture series. of, uh, I mean, there's literally, there. Well, there's, there's one like astro-theology lecture that Manly P. Hall does. that's very easy to find online. But if you really go looking and digging, there's actually hundreds. Of hours of like Manly P. Hall giving lectures about everything from like playing cards to you know theology to to like uh, Greek philosophy, like the pantheon of uh, mythological like deities from all Egypt, Rome, like the Romans, the Greeks, it's just retarded. Egyptian, it's just like everything is there, and you could literally just brainwash yourself with mainly P. Hall if he chose to.
0: It feels... It's funny because I'm as I'm reading it, I'm trying to make sense of it, and it does feel like it's less academic and more like sync blogs from 1926. Like, <laughs> if you were going to do a sync blog, this is how you had to go to the New York Public Library and sit in there and, and do your research. But because he's... I mean, he is citing things, but at the same time, he's not, and he's also making he's, he's making his own judgments on the facts, saying it, this is an obvious uh, f- connection from this point to this point. Although I would say that what what came later in the in the sync blogs is less of a linear structure, that it was okay to take nonlinear leaps, and it definitely seems like he wants to connect A to B to C.
1: Well, I think that that I mean he understands the fact. That anybody who studies mythology starts automatically like uh, doing comparative religion, like uh, as a as a form of your everyday thinking. Like most people, most people who are very religious stick to their religious and there's stick to this religion or their religion, and it's like a division of everything else you're not supposed to read. You know what I mean? I know when I was growing up in the Bible Belt, this stuff was like not going to be available to me. Um, it wasn't until, you know, that I would even, it, it took a very, like, uh, a, a, a break with guilt and everything to actually get into all of these ideas. But once you get into all of these ideas, you realize that it's the exact same thing. And then that automatically is think. So it's like the belief system that people have keep them from staying sync, whether, you know, whatever they choose to, like believe is, you know, their model of reality. This goes into like conspiracy theory arguments and shit like that too. Like once you believe that that's the reality, then all of the evidence points to that. Manly P. Hall accepts everything. I mean, that's the Freemasonic way of thinking, right? It accepts everything. It, it denies nothing.
0: You're, you're talking about the forbidden nature of, of various mythologies, and it's interesting because I think in our reading, one of the things mentioned that. That one of the works that came out of this that became Hermes is uh, C- Christian theologians said that this is an enlightened work. If he had just been born a little later, we you know he wouldn't have these backward thoughts involved with it. Yeah. So, uh, but in, interestingly enough for our show, do you recall how many, how many? official books of
1: Hermes there were? <laughs> well, okay. First off, you're talking about the 42 books of Hermes. Yes. But I, the actually, Hermes, I mean, is supposed to have been the author of 20,000 books. Right. And that kept increasing until 36,000. I think that the most random number they could have chose the 42. I mean, it has to have some meaning. That that's how many books he wrote.
0: I think because of the the 42 laws of Mott. I think maybe that's
1: well. Okay, so there's like the what is it the tetra Nomogram or whatever the name of God. You know what I'm saying? Isn't there there's 72 names of God, but the the main that the big word only has like 42 letters in it or whatever. So in a way, it's like saying that when they say books, they're really talking about, like, letters. Do you know what I mean? So it's like the 42... Hermes is the one who wrote the name of God. And there's a reason why they say that Hermes wrote that many books as well when it says, like, 20,000 or whatever. It's just like this random number to say all books. Hermes is responsible for... Like, you can see it as he's responsible for the, like, the production of human sensory input. Like, there's a way of thinking as Hermes is like the art of man, I guess. That's why he's the the thrice great is because he's like the greatest philosopher. He's the greatest king and he's the, what's the last, one? the greatest of all, priests.
0: Yeah, he's the original triple threat, I think. <laughs> so it's Hermes and then Justin Timberlake. Uh, but, so, yeah, so here's the Hermes revealed to mankind medicine, chemistry, law, art, astrology, music, rhetoric, magic, right. philosophy, geography, mathematics, especially geometry. Not a real
1: god. I mean, not a real person. It's like not, it's not, it's like, it's like a way of saying that he's responsible for everything, right? It, it, anything man produces. So you can't say it's a real person. You, can't, you have to think of it as an archetype. So it basically symbolizes like God's art. And then, uh, this is what this has to do with like Jim Carrey, right? Because Jim Carrey always has this idea of like uh, the line between media. So like in uh, Batman Forever, right? He is sucking the the dream or the thoughts out of everybody's heads and kind of like making them dreams or whatever. He's like, he's downloading the TV directly to the person's head. And then in cable guy, he's like, up. He was raised by the television and he hooks up the media, right? And then in Truman Show, he basically is the star of the media. So it's this common theme over and over and over. See, a lot of people say that. Jim Carrey is like Osiris. That's true to a certain extent, but he's got, like, Hermes all over him. So it has to do with uh, the, the, like, you can think of the media or the TV as just a modern-day version of books, right? Every time we talk about a movie, we always talk about if the book was better than the movie or whatever. It has to be written before it's filmed or whatever, but it's the same thing. Like, all movies are Hermes, too. All passages of intelligence are hermeneutic,
0: basic communication.
1: Right, and then that's why his symbol, that his little caduceus, which says, you know, I'm a messenger of the gods. I shall be molested or whatever in any way. But that's that. We even use it for health now. But it's straight up. is DNA. So DNA is like the messenger between God and man.
0: Okay, sure. And so basically what Manley P. Hall is saying in this chapter is that although they can't be sure, there may have been a mortal man who, who emb- embodied this archetype and thus gets credit for everything that follows. He puts, he puts him back in Egypt because it seems like there has to be a place... And then, if I was going to even infer more from Manly P. I would say that he came from Atlantis and went to Egypt.
1: Well, yeah, I think it's interesting. The next, the next chapter after Hermes is basically the Pyramid Atlantis chapter.
0: Uh, no, actually, it's before.
1: So, right, so the, the, the Atlantis that, is the before
0: Hermes, uh, and
1: then the initiation of the at the pyramid.
0: The pyramids after, the exactly, initiation. right. And so, yeah, exactly, because it seems like in the mysteries, the master of light is is this figure. The main figure is Hermes Trismegistus, which is also called Thoth. And in, in this work, I'm curious why the Book of Thoth contains the key to immortality.
1: See, now this is very interesting. I like the whole idea of the Book of Thoth. And how it, you know it's n- missing, basically, right? Right. That's the legend, if I remember correctly, is that it it was it's been shipped away, <laughs> and they're holding it in like a little gold box, and only like bring it out for you know mushroom trips or some shit like that. And then,
0: <laughs> well, he says that only the highest priest knows what's on the pages. Right. But it's it's out there and it's doing its work is what Manly P. Hall
1: says. Right. And he, he I mean he talks about it like it's a serious thing. I wonder what that means as far as how Crowley's concerned. I mean is his book is his book as all the only thing I've read of Crowley, I'll admit, is Moonchild. And that's more fiction than anything else. And the, what I get out of Crowley is that he's more humor, like you never know if he's being serious or not. You know what I mean? So the Book of Thoth, is that supposed to be a joke? I mean, some people say the Book of Thoth is nothing more than the tarot. What about that, then?
0: Yeah. And so that's interesting because C- Crowley does
1: his Thoth deck. He, he names it. He, calls it he, he basically gives the secret out, right? He's the one that makes it obvious. Mm-hmm. that the Book of Thoth is actually the tarot deck. And the tarot deck's actually supposed to be read like a comic book. You know what I mean? And then you chop it up to hide it. And then that's why all the mystery on what cards mean what. And Crowley actually changed it. So Crowley was given the secret, you know what I'm saying, of how to actually read the, the Thoth, or was he giving out this information?
0: The Book of Thoth establishes the way for redemption... Through the darkness, for humankind.
1: I also like the the dragon as a symbol, with Hermes standing and talking. What do you think about that?
0: Well, it's fascinating because it. I think the extant work by Hermes is this thing called the Vision or the Divine Pymander, and essentially right. that that work comes from the dragon. That the dragon is the light. Which brings us t- to the subject that I'm curious about is this idea that twenty fifteen, the year of the goat, is a devil year and that the nature of the year. Fuck me. What's that?
1: Fuck me in my goat ass. <laughs> well so like last Oh fuck me in the goat ass
0: <laughs> last week I was talking to Justin Morgan, who at the first sync cabin was basically our pan resonator. And then the whole time our conversation was preoccupied with the underworld. It seems like the reading (laughs) really was coming. So it just seemed so peculiar to me that as I'm beginning to wonder about the shadow, that, you know, I'm basically having a conversation with this shadowy archetype. Yay. And and then lately, my sync web is just filled with a fallen mythology so like I was watching Noah the Aronofsky film and then Inherent Vice came out this weekend and it too is a fallen thing it's this 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 point between the 60s and 70s when when things started falling apart when the the pillars of the thing, the, the 60s were built on these pillars that started collapsing. And so I'm just curious what you're seeing. Are you are you seeing? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. I think, I mean, you could say it's the same thing. Okay, you could think of it as in, in the terms of The Matrix. In the movie The Matrix, how Lawrence Fishburne basically said he put it in a loop where it's the same it's the same time period, the turn of the century, every time, all the time. It just keeps doing it over and over. It's just perpetually in that period. Or you can see it from Terrence McKinnon saying it was the end of novelty. Um, I don't know. I think of it like, okay, so when I was born, it was 1978. And I remember by the time I was in, you know, the mid-'80s, hearing about JFK and stuff and thinking that that was so ancient, you know, but it only happened like a decade before I was born. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, if you think about 2000, like it's almost we're further away now from 9-11, about the same dis- distance we were from 9-11 as I was from JFK. But it doesn't seem like that because the decades aren't divided up anymore. And the reason the decades aren't divided up anymore is because there's no more novelty. So it creates this loop for right around, you know, the turn of the century or directly post-Industrial Revolution. And the reason is, is because culture doesn't know how to function anymore. There's no thriving. Because of the Industrial Revolution, there's like an ample amount. There's more than enough. There's more resources. There's so many resources that we don't even need the freaking resources anymore. So we had to create a friggin' culture where the whole economy works on selling resources that nobody freaking needs. But if you stop doing that, then there's going to be a total collapse of resources. It's, it's this crazy time tunnel where everything has got to be sped up super fast, super fast, got to sell more, got to sell more, not selling enough, not selling enough. But it never, it's never going to change. It can't change. <clears throat> so it's like the end of novelty. There's no more pet rock to capitalize on. There's more than enough for everybody. And like media, if you think about media, how precious movies were back in like the 80s, it would take, you would have to record one off the TV or wait for it to come on. You had to wait. If you missed it, you missed it because it was on TV for a second. Now it's like more media, we're saturated. We're swimming around until so it doesn't mean anything anymore. What? Like kids don't care. Kids, kids don't watch movies anymore. Kids play on their tablets, listen to music, and text their friends while they're watching movies.
0: <laughs> you chase them out of your yard, Will.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know if it's like I'm grumpy about it or if it's a negative thing. It's just different. It's changed. And because of that, there's no more division between the decades. Everything's the same decade. Not everybody's watching I Love Lucy at the same time.
0: But you have mentioned how there is a cultural focus, and it's astounding when you do see everyone responding to the same stories. So at the water cooler... Well, because
1: this is... Okay, so it's about the song. It's not about the singer. It's about the light. It's not about the bringer. Like, the story... What well, what novelty is is like everybody wanting to be recognized for something they want to be the star of the show okay once novelty ends everybody becomes the star of the show it's like a warhol saying everybody's going to be famous for fifteen minutes that's what twitter is I and mean, somebody you know you watch CNN and somebody's reading what somebody said off of twitter like For that one minute, everybody's getting news from that one person. Like the best reality TV show ever would be just to take a camera from house to house and everybody gets 15 minutes. (laughs) Everybody would watch that. Everybody becomes Hermes or everybody becomes Truman. You know what I mean?
0: I think one one of the parts of our reading that I really appreciated was that reality was defined and... Essentially, uh, I'll read, it says, Thus, suffering is the result of the immortal man's falling in love with his shadow and giving up reality to dwell in the darkness of illusion. For being immortal, man has the power of the seven governors, also the life and the light and the word. But being mortal, he is controlled by the rings of governors, fate or destiny. So essentially, he's saying and and this is what i've been t- detecting in all the reading is that being being material creatures we've fallen and true reality is is the higher state that we strive for and that you need to contemplate the book of thoth to reach it's it's interesting cuz it seems like in the early part of our show, that's where we spent a lot of time was in this, in this fallen state mythology where we're wondering, you know, you end up with spiritual purpose, that there is a way. I mean, this book says that. And Hermes created the way and that you find the way in, in his book, The Vision. Where are you at with, with this now, Will?
1: Where am I at with what?
0: With the idea of purpose and material. So... The body is a tomb, but his soul must rise to immortality. How do you respond to something like that when you read it now after three years of 42 minutes?
1: (laughs) Mythology can't help but happen because overall, everything is evolution. Everything is evolution. Things get better. Mythology is like, you can't, okay, if you think about Isis as culture, that's why she's always the virgin. It's because culture, no matter how much it's tainted, how much you think it's fallen, will always purify itself. And then that's why, like, all the media and stuff is not necessarily a bad thing. I don't know. You keep using pejoratives like like uh, man has fallen, or, or how do I? No, no, I'm right? not.
0: I'm not. Mainly, P. Hall is. So <laughs> I just I
1: just don't think I don't think I don't think of like. So even if like when you watch novel, Noah, how do you how do you take like, that story? So God said,
0: or according, because God never talks, as far as I've gotten. So
1: are you talking about the movie Noah? Russell Crowe has a dream
0: and he ah, realizes well, that men are evil and they must be washed off the face of the earth.
1: Okay, so you've seen the movie A Beautiful Mind, right? Okay, yes. You have to, you have to link A Beautiful Mind with Noah if you, under, if you want to understand what the movie Noah means. You have Jennifer Connelly in both of them, and you have Russell Crowe in both of them. Both of them, they're husband and wife, so you know it's the same story. Now, what does Noah have to do with the beautiful mind? Well, first you have to realize what the guy who Russell Crowe is portraying, what he actually brought to the world. He brought game theory. And why is game theory important? Game theory is the reason that we are still alive, because when you put game theory into a computer and then ask the computer how to run a scenario where you can win an atomic war, Game theory says, yeah, you can't do that because you'll die too. So it's the game theory is the reason that we are still alive. You get what I'm saying? So in a way, it's the same story because it's a continuation of the culture through the, like, uh, the prediction of disaster. You get what I'm saying? So it's not like I can directly point to what Noah means. All I can do is compare it as if they were like, you know, two mythologies. And then that gives you like a secret eye. You know those little secret eyes that you see in the mall? You stare at the picture and it gives you a 3D picture. So there's one picture you're looking at. And then when you stare at it long enough, it creates this whole other picture. That's how you have to look at it. That's why mythology is good. Because you just don't stick to one mythology, you compare mythologies, and you get a brighter picture of what the actual principle you're talking about is. And the reason you're using mythologies is because principles can't be defined. Am I blowing your mind? Or am I just rambling and being pretentious?
0: Do you think that evolution is linear? I think Manley P. Hall probably does. Is that what you find in your research?
1: Well, well, it's an image. Like, if you look, on a long enough time scale, if you, look away, if you look at it from a long enough distance, it really becomes infinitesimal, like it never really existed. So in a way, evolution has already happened. And that's like kind of the, uh, you know, the attractor. Like, there's only one place we could get to but you have to look at it on a linear scale of you had this, then you had this, then you had this, then you had this. And that, always ha- that has to do with words, too. That has to do with one book had to be r- written before it influenced another book, before it influenced another book, before it influenced the movie, before it influenced... Do you get what I'm saying? Like, there has to be an origin. It's like you can't have, you can't have the steam shovel before the wheel everything has to go on a timeline linear. But you have to understand that the reason that it's even progressing is because the the end product is already well-defined.
0: So I've often called you a fatalist. So you think... I'm, I'm curious about the, the strange attractor at the end of the, the
1: line. The, you, t- t- the, the, the fatalist idea comes from this, like, that everything's, like, predetermined or whatever. But that's still too Aristotelian in thinking. It's either this or that. It can't be both. And you still have to blur your vision. It is a predetermined destination of where you're going. However, you choose where that destination is. You, if you look and focus on the destination, that's the only destination that's available. It's like a rock finding its way to the bottom, or water, of water, or water finding its way down to the oceans. You know what I'm saying? It's like a, it's, it's, it's already, it's, it's got to go there. One, if you focus, whatever you focus on, you have to arrive at. some fish looked at the damn bank and was like, I'm going to walk out of this bitch. And he might not have, but somebody in his lineage did. You get what I'm saying? And I don't know if evolution works really quickly or really long or if the Earth's only been here for 5,000 years or 4 billion. I don't know. All I can say is what makes the most sense. And what makes the most sense is intent E ball. Once you focus on something, you can head that direction. But there's an outcome. There's somewhere that we're going. The thing that's wrong with you, human, we're not focused on anything. We're sitting here arguing and bitching over all the different books that Hermes wrote.
0: Okay, so then how do we find the one way, instead of arguing about the various, you know, who, what Hermes really wrote,
1: how do we find that? It's a paradox. To find the one way you have to accept the all way. And that works. That's like a pun. Some people will think I didn't do it on purpose. But
0: Again, so like it's so strange because we're in Manly P. Hall mode and so there is a purpose. Life has a purpose. Sync has a purpose. It's leading us to the goal. What's the goal?
1: Well, Sync won't make you a genius think will just help you focus (laughs) like you could study about all symbols but if you keep seeing a dog it's because something in your subconscious is telling you you need to read up on what freaking dogs mean you know what i mean so there's always like to me it's like okay the reason that this is coming to me personally is because i need to read you know the mothman prophet Or I need to read Richard Bachman's Illusions, Adventures of the Reluctant Messiah. Because I just got on the bus, and the old homeless dude was reading Illusions. And then I went over here, and this old lady looks really nice. She's reading Illusions. And then I went into a used bookstore, and there was Illusions. Well, it's obvious that you need to read Illusions. And it's not like Illusions is the greatest book in the world. It's the one that you can absorb and you can understand at that particular time. It's not the end all of knowledge because we aren't Hermes. All of us are. You can't write 20,000 books. You know what I mean? So think helps us evolve in the way that it helps us focus. You can't be everything all the time. But you have to accept whatever comes when it comes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or am I rambling? No,
0: no that makes sense. <laughs> so... I'm coming back to the idea of inherent vice, which is a term used in insurance, and it's a hidden defect, or the very nature of a good or property which itself is the cause of or contributes to its deterioration, damage, and waste. And therefore, a a product with this uh, trait is difficult to insure because uh, by its very nature, it breaks down, it's, it's the idea of entropy. And so I wonder about, like Philip K. Dick, we strive, we strive for something that is pure, but life at its very nature is fragile. And thus. Did you just say thus? I always say thus, philosophy is a tricky business. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't help but read this book. It's just fallen mythology after fallen mythology, where...
1: I don't know if it's fallen, though. See, they all say the same thing. We That's want, the thing. It's like they, want... none of them ever failed. They're still alive and kicking today. In fact, they're probably more vibrant today than they were back then, and I'm certainly more well understood. I mean, the first sinkheads were the Neoplatonists who looked back at all the mythology and said, hey, all of these have, like, hidden meaning." Did anybody else know that they were there? It's not fallen. It might be forgotten, but nothing's ever really fallen. See, I mean, it's a you, fresh it, start. You,
0: we we need something to believe in. So
1: you need typhon. You need typhon. You need you need you need the freaking disaster. You need the the dark night of the soul to produce. You need the dark up underneath the dirt, so the plant can have enough nutrients to actually find the light. I mean you have to you have to. There has to be death. There has to be disaster. There has to be shortcoming. Because without that life doesn't thrive.
0: And that I would say that's acceptance of the shadow. Oh yeah.
1: That's Ty, typh- that's the that's Jim Carrey riding the crocodiles and pet detective too. It's just like that, the, everything. I keep mentioning Jim Carrey because this, that's what this friggin' chapter did for me. And it wasn't like one thing, it was like understanding that his entire film career is that chapter. Like the symbols are all there the little the DNA strand of Mount Crumpet or the ladder from the man in the moon. And it's, uh, even Hermes was like a moon god. You know what I'm saying? Then you have the the typhoon. It's like all of the symbols are there spread throughout without ever I mean even even in the number twenty three, Jim Carrey discovers that he is in a book, like Hermes wrote him. He's Hermes, he wrote the book himself. It's fucked up. But it's all it's all there without being there. <laughs> like you have to you have to blur.
0: So the book of Thoth, the keys to immortality, the secret teachings, all of that one can find in the filmography of Jim Carrey.
1: (laughs) Yes, but (laughs) dot, dot, dot. (laughs) But what? (laughs) I mean, it's not like, I don't know. The, like, the, the subconscious talks to the conscious in a dream-like, language, a, a dreamlike language. So the subconscious gives hints and clues to consciousness because we can only be conscious on a few things, but we could be, you know, subconscious of everything else. So it talks the hidden information that you need to know through a dreamlike language, which Lauren Coleman calls a twilight language, right? this the, the, the language of when we're asleep. So it coaxes an understanding with symbols. It, it makes you aware of things you're not aware of. This goes down to the fool card, right? Which is overseen by Hermes, I believe. And the fool card is man, this great fool has everything on the stick on his back, or the stick is the body, and the bag is like your innards and your brain and everything, everything you carry with you, right? And you're totally uh, infused with the beauty of this flower. Just da 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 And then right behind you is Hermes, the dog. The, the dog-faced monkey, the faithful, Osiris, right? Because Osiris is the body. It can be broken up. And the dog is telling you, you, you I mean, Hermes is your senses, right? The sensual, the sensual input of man, what it produces. And the dog is telling you, hey, dumbass, there's shit going on around you other than the stupid beauty and that damn flower. (laughs) You're about to walk out of a cliff or on top of a crocodile, right? Because sometimes in the full card, it's a crocodile and not a cliff. But it's all there. It's all in that first card of the book of thought. That's your body. Your senses tell you the danger that's going on. Don't get caught looking at the the pretty flowers.
0: (laughs) That was 42 minutes. Thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you, Doug. You've been listening to William Morgan on SyncBook Radio, a production of the SyncBook.com. Information about the work of Mr. Morgan can be found at a few shots to shaman.blogspot.com. For more information about the SyncBook, our guests, to check out past shows or to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, please be sure and visit our website at 42minutes.com. If you'd like to support the show, we urge you to become a donor. You'll find the donation links under each episode on the website and consider setting up a monthly charge. Thanks so much. And this light which ye behold is the secret luminance of the mysteries. Whence it comes, none knoweth, save the master of light, behold him.